to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Uh, but we're going to introduce a brand new series this morning. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be dealing with this series at our locations. And it is simply entitled, Fear Not. Fear Not. We're going to be dealing with various aspects of fear that can encroach on our walk with God as a part of our Christmas uh, series. And to, uh, the first week, uh, today, we're going to be dealing with fearing what God is asking me to do. Have any of you ever been afraid that God was going to ask you to do something that you didn't want? You know, isn't it kind of funny? You know, you kind of think, well, if you get too close to God, he's going to say, you know, go to Africa, or he's going to say, marry somebody ugly, or he's going to put you in some kind of a set of circumstances. I don't even know why we think that way about God, but it seems to be the kind of way that, you know, if we get close to God, God's going to make us do something or say something or be a certain way that we don't want to be. And really, I believe that it's rooted in a, one, a wrong concept of God. How many of you know we serve a good God? Yeah. Hey, listen, God's plans for us, his ways for us are good. They're good. Uh, and, and God is not the kind of God that is trying to make you do stuff you don't want to do. All right? Now, I will say this. God knows how to deal with our desires. God knows how to adjust our desires Maybe there were things that you didn't want to do at some point in your life, and God changed your desires, and he can deal with your want to. He can take away that resistant hardness, that pushback that sometimes we give to God, and he can give us a want to in its place. But what God is wanting from us is to draw near to him. Uh, God is wanting us to open up our hearts to him. And so I want us to look at that today, and we're going to look at Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, a passage of Scripture. If you've been in church at any period of time, if you have read this, it's consistent with the Christmas story. Um, and it, it deals with the narrative of when Gabriel shows up to Mary. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Or if you have a King James Version, it says, Fear not. Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. And we just pray over these next few minutes that you would speak to us. And the Lord, you would open our hearts to the truth of your word. We thank you for that. And I ask you now, anoint us by the Holy Spirit. Anoint me to preach and anoint every person here to hear. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, can you just imagine for a minute what it was like to be Mary? Now, uh, uh, Mary was probably somewhere between the age of 14 and 16. She was just a young teenage girl. She had recently been betrothed. Now, a part of the reason we we recognize that from the scripture that she was betrothed or engaged. But a part of Jewish tradition was that a girl, shortly after her bat mitzvah, uh, boys have a bar mitzvah and the girls have a bat mitzvah, or the coming of age. They didn't have teenage years, okay? They didn't re- you went from childhood to adulthood. And uh, we've kind of added teenage years and then we've added Twixters after that, and we've added something else after that to where they're 45 and still living at home and everything, you know. Uh, uh, but not so much back then, okay? It, it, it was, uh, listen, you went from childhood to adulthood, and Paul said it this way. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things, didn't he? And, and so they begin to think like an adult, and it was common practice for a young Jewish girl to be betrothed or engaged to uh, a man to prepare for their wedding. And that was the state that Mary was in. Now, uh, uh, Sandy and I, along with our oldest son and daughter, run a wedding venue, so we get a chance to see a lot of couples getting married, and we get a chance to see up close and very personal what girls that are about to get married, uh, uh, it's like. How many of you have ever spent any time with an engaged girl? I mean, like excitement would not, you know, sum up. Most girls, when they're getting ready to get married, they are filled with excitement and filled with dreams, and uh, it's all good. Uh, Now, their mamas may be a different story, but the girls are always super excited, and that's exactly, uh, no doubt, the way Mary was. Here she is. She's just a young Jewish girl thinking about her future, thinking about her life, engaged to be married, and suddenly the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, shows up with a message for her. Now, that could be a little bit off-putting just for, for starters, but I am absolutely certain that when the angel Gabriel finished talking, that Mary was overwhelmed with what was going on because God now is speaking to her. It's one, listen, it's one thing for God to show up in the, you know, through an angel and give you a message that you've got a, a calling to do a certain thing. Uh, 
you know, in another place and uh, you're going to change vocation. Or, but it's, it's a pretty big deal when the angel of the Lord shows up to a virgin and says, you're about to get pregnant and you're going to have a baby and the baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, none of this had ever happened before. Okay, if this was a regular ongoing pattern, it would be one thing, but I can't even begin to imagine what was racing through her mind. How you could be torn between what in the world are my parents gonna think? What in the world are people around me gonna think? What in the world is my life going to be? It's like my life has been turned upside down and shaken. Any of you ever felt like God was doing that with you? Well, I'm certain that was what was going on in Mary's life. Here, all of the natural things are flooding into her, and yet the reality is this. This is God showing up with an angel. That's a pretty pronounced calling. I've had some things that God has called me and instructed me to do, but I've never had an angel show up, okay? I've never had, and certainly never had Gabriel show up in bodily form and give me the calling. But here, I'm certain she was torn between the two situations. On one side... She's got a clear call from God. On the other side, she's dealing with the realities of life. It's just like you and me. Every set of circumstances that you see in the Scripture are instructive to our lives today in the circumstances that you walk through. when When you begin to think about the way God works and what God wants to do in our lives... And, and I'm, I'm sure she was absolutely freaking out. In fact, you don't even have to be much in doubt about it. It literally says right there she's confused, she, she's disturbed. And then the first words that the angel says to her is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, I have a question. Why is it that we are so fearful oftentimes of what God will do in our lives, what God is about to do in our lives. In fact, if you talk to too many many people, even in the church, they're like, I want to get close to God, but I'm also a little nervous about what God might talk to me about, what God might ask me to do, what he might ask me to let go of, or what he might ask me to take hold of. I believe that that's probably rooted more in a misunderstanding of who God is and of God's plan for our life and of God's work in our life than it is just simply a a reluctance to disobey or reluctance to follow God. You see, our response can be the exact same response that Mary had. If we're not careful, fear can take hold. You can get a word from the Lord. You can get a prophetic word from the Lord. And you can immediately be racing ahead to the what ifs. How is this going to happen? What is this about? I I just had some wild set of circumstances happen. It's been kind of like lately the story of my life. It's been like God just out of the blue says things and does things and and things that, and and I had a set of circumstances over the past few weeks where I had three, over a period of three days, three distinctive things that happened, every one completely disconnected from the other, but every one of them pointing to and speaking the same basic prophetic word. And I was like, how is this going to happen? 
And it's just the same way with all of the things that God does in our life. That if we're not careful, our immediate go-to is to be fearful, to be nervous, to be anxious. When the scripture clearly teaches us, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your, make your request unto, known unto God. And so God wants us to understand why it is that we get so nervous sometimes. And I, I think this passage of Scripture lays out these beautiful, this beautiful, in a beautiful, expressive way why sometimes we get upset about the call of God. We get nervous about the call of God. Or God will speak to us something that seems to be random or disconnected from some other thing that's going on in our life. And we're like, how is this going to happen? And we start racing through all of the what-if scenarios. Well, what if this happens? Or what if this doesn't happen? Or, or, or how will this work out? Anybody ever been there? This is a part of our walk with God. And yet, at the same time, God is always after us yielding to him, us walking with him. I, I, I want to make this point. You're going to live your life for God in one of two ways. You're going to live your life in God either your way or you're going to live your life in God his way. And when you live your life your way, you choose to make out your strategic plan for your entire life. You got it all mapped out. But you know one of the things that I've noticed about God? That when you've given your life to God and you want to follow God, that God doesn't seem to really care too much about your strategic plan for your life. You know, that God has a plan for you and it may or may not fit with your plans. And sometimes God shows up in your life and cuts right across what you had intended. He, does, he has the nerve to do some things that we didn't give him permission necessarily to do. When we said, God, I give you my life, he took us at our word. And listen, this is so important. It's so important because this is what really gets down to the nub of what it means to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. Jesus is not wanting to be just your savior. He's wanting to be your master. He's not just wanting to be the one that gives you suggestions. He's wanting to be the one that gives you direction. He's wanting to be engaged with the very details of your life every single day. Yet the truth of the matter is, we, like Mary, can have the same kind of reticence about the purposes of God. So why, why are we so afraid of the plans and the purposes of God? When all the time, in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans, God says, that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for your evil. To give you a future and a hope. The fact of the matter is this, that God's plans for your life and my life are good. How many of you know God made you and he who made you knows what is best for you? He knows what he made you for. In fact, the matter is God knows more about what you want than you know what you want. You think you know what you want. But when you one day finally say, Jesus, you give me what you want, you find, wow, God, I never knew I could be this happy with this. Because God knows more about what you want than you know what you want. And he knows how to bring into your life exactly those things that will bring the greatest delight, the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment. 
You see, God's plan is a good plan. God's desire is a good desire for us. So when we say, Jesus, have your way in my life, it's not setting us up for some negative set of circumstances. It's setting us up for incredible excitement and thrill and blessing. That's what God wants. So we have to be willing to press past the fear and to lay hold of that peace that comes from God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So why are we so afraid of God's plans? The first thing I will tell you, one of the reasons we're afraid of God's plan is that God's plans are often interruptions to our plans and are sometimes very inconvenient. Now, I will tell you, Mary is about to get married. She's excited about her future and her thinking is on what she is about to do. And God shows up and interrupts her plans. God shows up and begins to do something in her life, begins to express what he wants to do, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It's inconvenient. Verse 29 says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In other words, what she was doing, she, she had her whole life planned out. And now God is showing up through an angel Gabriel and announcing to her that her plan is about to be slightly interrupted. She's going to have a baby, and her baby is not going to be from Joseph, the man that she's been betrothed to. She's going to have a baby born by the Holy Spirit. Now, you try taking that home to mama and daddy and explaining it. You try just kind of taking all that in. I can't even begin to imagine how her head must have been spinning. You see, we can get our life all planned out. We can get everything, every I dotted and every T crossed, and then suddenly from nowhere, God can show up in a moment in some of the most inconvenient ways and announce some things, begin to speak to us. I've had it happen multiple times. I've watched it in the lives of other people. In fact, Joel, this morning, I want to I just say this to you uh, because I had a prophetic word for you this morning while you were up there leading in worship that you've stood behind a guitar, but, the Lord, but I felt the Lord of the Lord for you that, that you're not going to just be standing behind a, get, uh, standing behind a guitar. You're going to be standing behind a pulpit, that you're not going to be just writing songs and leading in worship, but you're going to be preaching and teaching the Word of God, and that God is going to bring you into this place, and it's going to be quite pronounced, and you will be known as the worshiping pastor. You will be known as the worshiping pastor. And I, I, I felt I was, it was connected like, like, like Jack Hayford wrote songs. You will write songs, multiple songs, but yet at the same time, you'll be preaching and teaching the word of God. You see, God sometimes shows up in our life. Yeah, give God thanks. God shows up in our life and God announces things. God announces things. Uh, Harry, I, I had taken Harry with me to one of our other location, one of our other churches. 
just a few weeks ago. I just picked up the phone one day and said, Harry, I want you to go with me. I'm going to one of the other locations, and I want you. You see, a lot of times what I try to do is I'll gather up. You know, we got all these young pastors that are coming up. They're like strawberry plants. They're coming up everywhere. They're just coming up everywhere. And I just just scooped up Harry. I called him. I said, Harry, I've got to go preach at a particular church, and I want you to go with me. And uh, I already had it in my heart that the Lord was going to be doing something with him in that particular place. This past week, I met again with the pastor and his wife. And while I was meeting with the pastor and his wife, I I said to him, I, I feel like you need a younger guy beside you. And uh, I, he said, I, I agree. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, what about that young guy that you brought with you the last time you preached? I said, well, that was exactly who I had in mind. And you see, God loves you, and I got a plan for your life. No, Jesus has a plan for your life. So I went to Harry this morning, and I said, Harry, I said, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me to bring you down to this particular church because I feel like you're going to be connected. He said, that's so funny, Pastor. He said, when I went with you and I was sitting there, he said, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that I would be speaking in to this church. And I thought, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You see, God sometimes can interrupt the way we think our life is going because he's got a plan and his plan is always a good plan. His plan is always for something thrilling and exciting and maybe we didn't see it coming. We didn't see it. It didn't show up on our radar screen. It wasn't a part of our strategic plan. It just suddenly shows up and you go, wow, God, I couldn't have planned that one. I couldn't have mapped that out. So you see, God's interruptions are often inconvenient if we get too rigid. You see, God wants us to have this fluidity about us, this flexibility about us, where he is free to move at, in our lives in a particular way at a particular time and do whatever he wants. And as soon as he moves, we just say, Lord, we'll follow. We're yielded. We're we're willing, we're pliable. You see, and you can't map it out. You can't map out everything that God does. I, I, I will tell you, you know, in Scripture, there's two kinds of time. There's, there's chronos time and kairos time. And both of them are mentioned in Scripture. Chronos time is that, that 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and that, that fits well with our strategic planning. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That fits real well. We'll just say, you know, when we get to be this age, we'll get married, and when we get to be this age, we'll have kids, and when we get to have this much money, we'll map out our family plan. How many of you know God has interrupted that? I, usually, if you've got kids, they... You, you probably didn't have them on your strategic plan. They just kind of showed up. Uh, I mean, now there was a cause and effect relationship, don't get me wrong, but they just kind of showed up. It was like, they may have been a surprise to you, but they weren't a surprise to God. It's, you know, so our plans sometimes, where we get them all figured out on Chronos time, suddenly get interrupted by Kairos time, and Kairos time is that moment in time where God visits where you have this encounter from heaven, where you have this moment where God comes and just shows up and everything begins to change. Everything begins to shift and move, and you're just like, wow, I'm not in control anymore. I can get white-knuckled during that time. 
you really start seeing that you're not in charge of your life. God's in charge. Do you know something? God had mapped out a plan for Mary's life, and God's plan for Mary's life didn't look exactly like her plan for her life. And we know that from Scripture because Paul says it this way in Galatians. He said, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. He knew exactly who the woman was. He had already mapped out a plan for her life, and her, her plan didn't include all that God had included in his plan for her life. And it's the same way with you. There are some supernatural things. There are some amazing things that God has in store for you and in store for me. Things that we couldn't have figured out in our wildest imagination. Things that we couldn't have mapped out and planned out. I'm going to tell you that's because God is such a good God. God is such an amazing God. And he's always, and this is exciting. It ought to thrill us in our walk with God. God has some holy inconveniences at times. And the Bible's full of them. The Bible's full of holy inconveniences. Remember Moses. Moses is watching his father-in-law's sheep, and suddenly he sees a bush on fire, and he goes over to the bush, and the bush is burning but not consumed. And he hears a voice speaking out, take your shoes off, place your stand in this holy ground. He gets a calling to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt's bondage. Again and again, you'll see God shows up. He showed up to Abram at a time where he wasn't expected. Abram's worshiping idols in Ur of the Chaldees, and God shows up to him and begins to speak to him, and he puts a calling on his life. He shows up in Jonah's life. He shows up in Paul's or Saul's life while he's on the Damascus Road. He suddenly, providentially shows up. Light from heaven blinded him, and he heard a voice as God called him. You see, God has some holy inconveniences in your life. The angel says, you found favor, Mary. You found favor. You may not think it looks like favor, but it is favor. Listen, whenever God has a calling for your life, even though it may not fit with your strategic plan or it may not uh, fit with the things that you had thought about and thought your life would look like, do you know something? It's favor from the Lord because God is such a good God that he's wanting to show us favor and those moments in our life where God calls us, those inconveniences. So the first thing I, I, I believe that causes us to be reluctant about the call of God is just simply the inconvenience of it, that, that, that this didn't fit. The second thing is this, that God's purpose is also radically different from our plan, radically different from our plan. And we have to make an internal adjustment about this. You see, every single time God speaks to you and calls you, you have a choice. You think one day, you know, you gave your life to Jesus, you ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and be your savior. But as I said a few minutes ago, God's not after just being your savior, he's after being your Lord. He doesn't just want to be the one who takes you to heaven when you die. He wants to be the one who's in charge of your life right now. He wants to be the master. 
He wants to be the captain of the ship of your life. Determine the way that the sails are pitched and where your life goes. That's what God is after. And so when God shows up and you have that happen and God calls you, you have a choice. God is never into making people do what he wants them to do. Now, I will say this. God does have a way of making you want to do what he calls you to do. You can stay where you are and become so stinking miserable that you'll do anything to follow God. I've often told the story, when God called me back here to this church, I wouldn't want to come back here to this church. I told God no for 30 days, I told him no. And when I didn't sleep for 30 nights, (laughs) God brought me to the point where I was quite amenable to do his will. And I began to sing with the psalmist, I delight to do your will, just let me have some sleep. You see, so God knows how to address our want to. But God gives you a free will, so you have a choice. You have a choice. God wants us to choose whatever it is that he wants. I remember years ago, kneeling down in a field, and I would go out in a field at midnight and pray up in North Georgia. I was working construction with my brother And I'd go out there at night and pray in a horse pasture. And I remember kneeling down at this fence post, and I've said it so many times, even repeating it to God. God, I told you years ago, wherever you need a man, I'll be that man. Wherever you have a call, whatever you want, Lord, I'll be that one. I'll be that one. What is that? I'm just saying, I'm not saying that I'm I'm the guy that's got the answers to everything. All I'm saying is, God, I'll I'll be a yielded vessel. I'll be willing. Listen, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And so God's purpose is often very different, and his plan is often very different than ours. And so we have to deal with the internal stuff. It's not just God bringing us into it. Not just that it's inconvenient. It sometimes literally rubs us the wrong way. God can sometimes have a, calling on your life and on my life that we're like, no, thank you. Find somebody else. You know something? Jesus prayed that way. His father's call was for him to go to the cross, and he literally prayed, Father, I don't want to do this. If there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Let it pass. I don't want it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. She was just like every, Mary was just like every other Jewish girl. She had a a plan, and yet God, not only was it inconvenient, it was absolutely at cross purposes to what she wanted to do. In Isaiah 55, it says this, verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my plans higher than yours. You can have a plan for your life. There's nothing wrong with having a plan. I'm not saying that you go through life like like, like tumbleweed, just responding to every kind of wind that comes down the road. It's okay to have a plan, but that plan must be submitted to a higher plan. You must yield your life to a higher plan. All through school, I remember I wanted to be a doctor. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to help people. And then... When I was, I graduated at 17, and when I 
the, the, the summer I graduated, the Holy Spirit called me to ministry. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit on one night, called into full-time ministry the next. And it was like a, a radical shift and change, yet it was in the plan of God. And so we have to, we have to be willing to say, God, I, I'll yield my plan to the higher plan. I'll yield my way to the higher way. Your way is the right way. Your way is the way that I want to go. So not only are God's plan and call inconvenient at times, it's also counter to the things that we have wanted. And then lastly, I want you to see this. God's blessing, listen, God's blessing often starts with a burden. You know, this is, this is one of the things about the call of God that I, I think is probably the most difficult for us. Okay, we deal with the inconveniences of the call of God. We deal with the fact that it's counter to what we had intended. But it's another thing when now suddenly, when I use the term burdened, I'm talking about there are some things that you have to start carrying. There are some difficulties that sometimes go with the call of God. You know, we don't hear a lot of talk nowadays about the burden of the Lord, but if you were, if you spent any time in church in years past, you would have heard particularly old-timers talk about getting the burden of the Lord. It's when God's heart is suddenly released into your life and you take hold of God's heart. How many of you ever heard of the Russell House here in Orlando? Some of you may have been down to Russell House it's the most amazing, amazing place. In fact, our park district location is uh, doing the angel tree this year for Russell House. But this is a perfect example of what the burden of the Lord looks like. The Russell House is a home for atypical children. It is for children that have been brain damaged. And in 1951, she became known as Mother Russell, in 1951, someone was overwhelmed with a brain-damaged child and did not know what to do, and she opened up her home, and she said, bring them to me, and I'll take care of them. How many of you know that's a pretty big task? That's like 24-7. And she opened up her home, and from that time on, her home stayed open for atypical children. And people began to bring those children to her. And through the years, there have been hundreds. It's now run by her daughters. It is the only not-for-profit private home in Central Florida for atypical children. It is a clear Christian home run for the purpose of serving kids with those intense special needs. I was looking through some of the literature about Russell House, and I, I literally was crying, just crying, as I was thinking about that. And I, I will tell you something. That typifies what the burden of the Lord looks like. How many of you know this? God loves those precious children. He loves every single one of them with all of their needs and all of their difficulties and all of their challenges, Jesus died for them. 
and he loves them. And suddenly, like, like Mrs. Russell, who became Mother Russell, got a heart for those children. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the burden of the Lord. It's when God suddenly gives you his heart for those people. Paul and Jesse, that's what happened to you. That's what happened to you. I remember when it happened nine years ago when you came to me and you said, Pastor Ron, there are all these kids on the streets down near where our business is. Can we do an outreach for them? That was just an outreach. How many of you know God breaks you in gently? God will tell you the truth, but he doesn't tell you all the truth. Why? He gives you as much as you can carry. He gives you as much as you need to know to get moving in what he wants you to do. And so they started. They did one, then they came back and said, can we do another a month later? And then a month later, another one. And then it went to two weeks, and then it went every week, and then suddenly they began to have a church. And I remember Paul coming to me and said, Pastor Ron, you've got another church. I said, no, 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 no. You have a church. You have a church. And I, I go down there. Within a year or two, there was this crowd of people gathered around calling Paul and Jesse the church man and the church lady. Wow. Through the years how God has transformed the lives of people simply because the burden of the Lord came. You see, what happens is this. We open up our heart to God, and suddenly God speaks to us. I want the worship team to come back. There's so much more that I could say, but I want to wrap it up by saying this. You see, God can give us holy inconveniences. God can disrupt our plans. God can even bring to us his heart for a particular set of circumstances. And I want to be quick to say this, that when God gives you his heart, it's like you, care, you have suddenly the ability to do the things that you didn't have the ability to do before. It's like you're compelled. It's like you suddenly have an energy from heaven to carry out what God has called you to. The last point I want to make is this, what should be our response? And if you look in verse 38, what you see is this. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it, I am the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, the fact is this. You want to break the fear of God's will off of your life? Yield your heart. Yield your will to the will of the Father. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's good. It'll make you happy. It'll bring joy to you. It's pleasing. And it's perfect for you. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I, I want to say thank you.